welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to New Jesus. And I'm also going to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, because it's that time of year. Now, when you watch this, it may not be that time of year, so that may not mean anything to you. So if, it, if you're watching this and it's not Christmas or New Year's, God bless you today, whatever day this is for you. And let me say a quick little prayer as we start here. Father, thank you so much for the past year. Uh, the last couple of years have been challenging with COVID and protest and political dissension and all kinds of stuff, Father. Please help us to stay rooted in your simple love and truth and right relationship with you. And, and things in the world can be stormy, they can be peaceful, but as long as I'm right with you and stay in that place and stay in communication constantly with you, I, I believe the storms can come and go. But you, Father, will make me and every believer able to withstand those storms, whatever they are in our life. Uh, so, Father, please help me not to say one word that would be misleading or wrong uh, please, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me to all truth regarding what we're about to talk about. Um, and Father, thank you so much for loving us and for your precious, wonderful, beautiful Son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is the board from last week. And I'm just going to review a second and then switch to the other side for this week. But, like, but we've been talking about um, a, a, sort of the unofficial title for the last several has been It Doesn't Matter. And we've talked about how um, if you're right with God, if you're a, if you're a born-again believer, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and still do today. And you can say honestly from your heart, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And you have accepted him intentionally 
knowing what you're doing and meaning it, not just for a day or a week or a year, but for life. If you're right with God, okay, and sin, sin always matters because God hates it. It separates us from God for a period of time. It grieves God. It grieves the Holy Spirit. That's what Scripture says. And it is a betrayal of our bridegroom, Jesus, who we are one with. He is my bridegroom. I'm his bride. The mystery of the ages um, is that we are one in that way. Okay? So the thing that doesn't matter is if you sin in right relationship with God... Yeah, it matters for the moment, and it separates me from God, and 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 I feel uh, even in a good situation, if I don't feel a lot of guilt and shame because I'm living in the grace system that Scripture talks about, I still am separated from God for a time, and I still grieve because what I just did hurt and grieves God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Grief is a form of pain. Okay? So I grieve because I grieve them. But as far as my eternal salvation goes, that sin doesn't matter. Because it's not only already paid for, Scripture says it's not even written under my name. Blessed is the man whose sin is not counted against him. Okay? I'm called in Scripture righteous, holy, saint, all kinds of stuff, okay? And that's not because I don't sin, because Scripture says all sin. It, it, no one can do it right. That's, it's not of works. It's of grace, lest someone should boast, okay? So it was never intended for me to do it right, so there has to be a situation when I can be sinning and still right with God and still saved and still not having to worry about my eternal destiny because it's assured, and I believe that is exactly the case, okay? So we talked about how there's all these scary scriptures that most of us heard growing up, okay? Uh, I've talked to people all over the world. I mean, Asia... Uh, who are who have become Christians? Uh, Europe, the United States, and California to New York, Ohio, everywhere in between, and probably nine out of ten people that I talk with, who are let's say forty-five or older, they grew up on this. This is how they were programmed. Okay, uh, the scary passages. Those who practice these things. Oh, man, it's going to be terrible, horrible. You're going to be lost. You're going to be damned. You're going to be, you know, all this stuff. But when you really dig into the context and the actual Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic words, that's not what it says. What it says is those who practice these things, which means the intention of their heart is to keep doing them. It's not to stop. It's to keep doing them and even do it better and better in the future. That's what practice is. The other side, uh, and this is in Matthew 25, 46, is that those who practice these things will go to eternal punishment, but the righteous, that's the other part, either, either you practice sin, and that's your intention, or your intention is to be obedient and faithful to God even if you can't carry it out for 10 minutes, which is kind of my story. I'm the biggest sinner I've ever known, okay? Because I know all of my sin, and, and I sin every day. 
And I believe that Jesus even raised the bar on that when he came on the scene, when he said, you've heard it's wrong to, be, uh, to, be, to kill a person. I tell you, if you're angry with a person, you're guilty of murder. Okay? So Jesus really raised that bar to where these, now it's not just your actions and behaviors, which is what they thought in the Old Testament. It's your thoughts and feelings. And that's why God said in Scripture, take every thought captive. That's a requirement. It's not a suggestion. And also, pray without ceasing. Those two things are huge. Take every thought captive, pray without ceasing. So take it captive, and then in prayer, give it to Him immediately. And Oswald Chambers, 2 Corinthians 4.10 says, if you do that, two things happen. Jesus will move to the forefront of your life, take the steering wheel, and the life of Jesus will manifest in your physical mortal body. Wow! Unbelievable! Okay? So, what I want you to get from this is that in spite of Satan's lies to confuse us, he's the father of lies and father of confusion, into believing that even if we don't practice sin, if our intention is not to practice sin, and then we can't carry it out because no one can, Satan has tricked us into believing that in that situation, I'm lost. That all these things apply to me, even if my intention is good and righteous, but I can't carry it out, okay? Well, that's a lie, because the righteous is given to me when I become a believer. It's the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ. And I have it through Jesus. When I become a Christian, it cannot be earned. It can only be given and accepted. Okay? So, when I become a believer, if I've not committed the unpardonable sin, which is, I believe, almost impossible to commit, it's the prodigal son who never comes back, okay? The father would accept him back. If he came back, he just won't come. What I'm told by scholars is that's the only unpardonable sin. So if you've not done that, then you're not practicing sin. You are righteous. And that's the distinction. And the righteous to eternal life. So the sin, while we don't want to do it, it's bad, it grieves God, hurts me, separates me from God, I am still saved. If the intention of my heart is God, Jesus, be pleasing to God even if I can't carry it out, etc. Okay. Alright. So, and I wanted to go over again, just real briefly, okay? Because this is what most of us have been brought up on is this stuff, those scary passages. If you do these things, ooh, you're bad, big trouble, hell, fire, brimstone, etc. But what about these passages? And we went over them last time. Love is the whole law. There is no law against it. You do that, you've done everything. And that's out of the mouth of Jesus himself. Okay? Um, pure and faultless religion has nothing to do with sin. It's about serving and loving. Okay? Uh, the entrance exam to heaven has nothing to do with sin. Now, uh, I'm sorry... This one, John 1, does, it does say at the end to keep yourself unstained by the world. 
So, does that, uh, to be unstained by the world, that means I can't sin, right? No, it doesn't mean that. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? So what does it mean? I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to realize it's all about love. Loving God, accepting His love, loving others, and that, I believe, is the unstained by the world. Not to not sin, because no one can do that. I mean, would you do that to a child? Here's what I want you to do, and you know they can't do it. That would just be cruel, right? And, and God is the perfect Father, all right? So, anyway, and the entrance exam to heaven, nothing to do with sin. It's about love and, and relationship and serving others. Uh, Corinthians 5, you are the righteousness of God. You have an incorruptible spirit, and only our spirit knows our deep thoughts. Um, you have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2. You are a new creation, a new heart. The old has passed away. You're saved by grace. The hidden mystery is that you and Jesus are one. You're a saint. You have a lifetime guarantee. Everything will work out for your good. There is no one that can condemn you. You were formerly evil before you accepted Jesus. Now, you're holy, blameless, righteous, and beyond reproach. Okay? But, how come I don't feel that way? How come I don't feel that way? How come what I feel is this? Well, I think a lot of it's because I'm programmed that way. For 27, 28 years of my life and a couple of hundred years into my ancestry. And all that stuff is passed down to me. It's called cellular memories. All right? So I've got all that, plus my parents raised me that way. Church, school, and home. All right? So that is ingrained. But it's a lie. It's not the truth. Yeah, it's true for people who practice sin, who are, their intention is to do it more and better. Their intention is not to be obedient to God. All right? All right? And I and you... As believers, as Christians, are righteous, which means this does not apply to us. We are not practicing. We sin, yes, but we're not practicing sin. Our intention is to not do it. Our intention is to stop. Even if I intentionally do it in the moment, my, the intention of my heart is still, I don't ever want to do that again. I want to be obedient to God. Even if I know I will do it again or believe I'll do it again, that's not what I want. What I want is to be faithful to God. That's my intent. It really is. Okay, then that means I'm not practicing, which means all of this applies to me, and this does not apply to me. And I believe that's true of most of you, too. Okay, so here's where I'm going today. There's a gap. There's a gap between intent and actions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Intentions aren't enough. They may be enough for God to save us and keep us saved, but they're probably not, they're probably not enough to live the life that you want to live and for every day not to be some degree of frustration between what you want to live and what you end up doing or not doing in your day. 
And it's always, oh yeah, I'll start that tomorrow. Yeah, I messed up, I'll start that tomorrow, start that tomorrow, start that and, and it's really frustrating to live that way, and I've lived that way. Almost every believer I know lives that way, okay? I believe it's because of this gap, the gap between intention and actions, okay? Um, and that's what James 2 was talking about too. Faith without works is dead. It's dead faith not dead works, all right? And the works come from the faith. That's the gap. Faith is the gap, okay? That's what's missing to take the intention of your heart to be pleasing and obedient to God and have that manifest in your daily actions that are in harmony with being right with God and and scripture and and all of that and living this life of love that the whole law is summed up in and loving and serving others which is the entrance exam of heaven okay so we got a gap so if you want that and and everyone i know does so what do we do about the gap all right let's take a look at it Good intention is not enough power to walk out my choice always. I choose God, but I can't carry it out. What does that sound like? Sounds like Romans 7 in Paul. Paul said, I do not understand my own behavior. In another version, he says, I hate my own behavior. And then he tells what it is. What I want to do is not what I do. What I do is what I don't want to do. I do it over and over and over. And then he says the magic thing, at least for me in my life, when this happens, which was a daily occurrence for me, when this happens, it's not me doing it. Oh my goodness. How can that possibly be? Only one way. God is not bound by natural law. God created nature. God created natural law. God is above natural law. Okay? So God can supersede natural law. What do we call that? A miracle. And I believe God does miracles all the time and wants to do one in your life pretty much every single day to help you override the natural and the physical, the stimulus response of this thing we call Earth and the physical universe, okay? I need a way to override the, the, the seek pleasure, avoid pain aspect of the natural world. Because as long as I'm living seek pain, seek, seek pleasure, avoid pain, I can't live love, serving others, and unselfishness. Okay? Alright, so, your good intention may not be enough power to actually walk out God's will for your day, for a particular circumstance, for surfing on the internet, for you and another person in relationship, whatever. You may not have enough power for your good intention to manifest as 
good love-based action. Okay, so that's what we want. Number one is, is it, uh, okay, number one is you have to be a child of God. You have to be saved. You have to come to Jesus, all right? I assume most of the people watching this have already done that. If you haven't, you can today, all right? And I wouldn't let a day go by before you do. And maybe at the end of this, I'll lead us in a prayer or whatever, but you can do that with lots of people locally. You can do it with people online. You can do it with me. Contact me. I'll be delighted to, to uh, help you enter into a relationship, right relationship with God and Jesus, okay? But that's number one. You have to become a believer. You have to commit to God and Jesus and give Him back your life, all right? When that happens, you are now under grace, not law, okay? So, you're saved. You, you now have access to the grace of God. The grace of God in Scripture and in Webster definition is two things. It is um, forgiveness and unmerited favor, all right? That's number one and the, the one that we're most familiar with. The second one is the power to do what needs to be done, the action. It's the power for the action. It's the power for your choice. It's the power to, for your intention to become love-based action. Okay? So, we're saved by grace. Number two, we have a love-based heart intention to, like, like growing up, I had a love-based heart intention. I really did. I was saved. I'd become a Christian. I was baptized, committed my life to God. I had a love-based intention to not lust, okay, when I was growing up. I, I know I lusted thousands of times, pretty much on a daily basis, some days a number of times, okay? My intention was never to lust, okay? In fact, I would be mad at myself after I did that, okay? I, I really would, and I would pray and repent, and I'm so sorry, and I felt all this guilt and shame and everything else, okay? But I promise you, my intention was not to lust. My intention was that I don't lust, okay? But I could not carry it out, just like Paul said, okay? All right. So I have a love-based heart intention, but my action is not a love-based action. My action is lust, or lying, or stealing, or committing adultery, or not being kind to someone, okay? Uh, a passage in Scripture says, don't let a single word come out of your mouth that doesn't encourage and build people up. Well. Do you ever mess that up? Do you ever let a single word come out of your mouth that is unkind or angry? Or what Scripture says is if it doesn't build others up and encourage it, encourage them, don't let it come out of your mouth. Well, so if we've all done that, is that a sin? Yeah, it's a sin. It's a command. Don't let a single
single, okay. So I do in sin. Does that mean I now go from lost to saved? No, because I'm under grace now. Which means they're all covered. Jesus has paid for them. And because I've accepted Jesus, I now have access to all that. And I am a saint. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm saved. Okay? But I've still got a problem. Because I'm saved. I have good intention. I have a love-based heart intention. But my action is to keep lusting or lying or stealing or or. or, or or being unkind to people, or gossiping. Gossip is mentioned right in the same sentence as murder. Okay? All right? So I've got an action problem. So that might not keep me from being saved. Maybe I'm still going to heaven, but it sure messes up my life here, and it can sure mess up my life with my wife or significant other. It can sure mess up business relationships. It can sure mess up my love, joy, and peace every day. Okay? And so I don't believe that's what God intended for us. I believe what God intended for us is we have good intention. We're saved. We come to him. Uh, We have a love-based heart intention, all right? And that love-based heart intention is manifested in our actions. So I don't lust. Instead of lusting, I pray. Or, Or instead of lying, I go... Uh, do something nice for somebody or whatever. Okay, I think you get the idea. But how do I do that? I mean, I tried a thousand times to get from here to the love-based action and messed up a thousand times. Now, sometimes I would have a love-based action, all right? But every day, I would have, or almost every day, sometimes many times a day, I'd have an action that's not love-based, that's fear-based, that's sin. Okay? So, what's the gap? The gap is the flesh. So, number one, save. Number two, love-based heart intention. Number three is the problem, is that I'm in this flesh suit. Okay? That is 100% totally tied to earth, to nature, to seek pleasure, avoid pain, stimulus, response, etc. The flesh is, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Okay? All right. And, and so, Galatians 3 verse 13 says, what sin does is entangle us. Okay? It doesn't say if you're a believer and you're saved, that sin damns you, that's nowhere in Scripture, okay? It entangles you if you're saved. doesn't damn you. It entangles you. What does that mean? It means I'm tied up. I can't get loose. I can't do the action that needs to be done, okay? So, and, and, and uh, another Scripture, uh, Psalm 66, 18 says that if I disregard the inequity of my heart, the junk in my heart, the sin in my heart, okay? If I disregard that, it separates me from God, okay? To to the degree that he doesn't hear me when I pray. Now, that's not permanent. That's for a period of time. Remember, faith was invented... I mean, time was invented because faith requires time. 
okay? So if I sin, disregarding the junk in my heart and disregarding my conscience in my heart that says don't sin, it separates me from God. It entangles me. God does not hear my prayer for a period of time, and I usually can feel that. I've heard so many people say, seems like my prayers aren't getting above the ceiling. Well, are you disregarding the inequity of your heart? Are you disregarding your heart junk and just kind of shoving it under the rug and going on? You can't do that, okay? Uh, was it Einstein said the unexamined life is not worth living or Aristotle? One of those guys said that, all right? And, and, and that's consistent with Scripture. We're to search our hearts and then yield that as a living sacrifice to the Father. Do what you want in my heart, okay? You take control of my heart. That's what he wants, okay? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the thoughts of the heart, we act, okay? But it, it happens all the time that I can have a good intention, a love-based heart intention, and then my action is sin. Because the flesh... I can't get by the flesh with that love-based heart intention, okay? So what, what needs to happen? I need more faith, okay? Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, that we can't see. Think about that. The substance means you can touch it, taste it, smell it. It has substance. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence, which is also a you can see it, find it, manipulate it word. Okay? The evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So, when we have a love-based intention but we can't carry it out and our action ends up being sinful, not consistent with the love-based intention that we do honestly have, we've got a faith problem. Okay? It's the substance. Faith is the substance of your intention. That's what I want. That's probably the big takeaway for today. Faith is the substance of your heart intention. Meaning, it turns into chemicals. Uh, that faith acts in my physical body and it acts on brain state, brain chemistry, hormones, cellular memories. Oh, it's, it's, it's all kinds of stuff. Our spirit and mind are inextricably tied to our fleshly body. You, you can't pull them apart. God can, but we can't. Okay? So, faith is the substance of your intention. So, if you can't carry out the action that you intend from your love-based heart intention, it means you don't have enough substance in your body and mind. You don't have enough love-based substance. Love is the substance, by the way. Alright? Love... From love comes faith. Think of Pentecost, Acts 2, okay? Three stages. They heard, the, they heard what Peter said, the teaching, preaching, gospel. They heard. Number two, 
They were pricked in their heart. Number three, they acted in, con in consistency with the intention of their heart. The gospel and the truth that they heard created a new intention of their heart, a love-based one. Love, in other words, love was born from the truth of the word. It resonated with their conscience and their, their um, pricked in their heart. Love is born or more love is born when that truth is understood and believed, the gospel, okay? And isn't it interesting? It doesn't say read the word, okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say read the word, it says hear. Well, for one thing, they didn't have the written scriptures then. It was Peter, Paul, and those guys teaching so they would hear it. But even today, I think the thing that tends to prick people's heart the most is not reading the Bible, it's hearing the Bible and those truths from someone who they love and care about and they know loves and cares about them who is sincerely, lovingly sharing those truths with them, just like Peter did. And then that person, if they understand Scripture, if they understand that truth that we share with them, they will be pricked in, our, in their heart. Love will be stimulated, increased, born. And now they will be able to act in concert, in harmony, with the love-based intention of their heart. Okay, so how do you get more faith? If you need more substance, and the substance is faith, which comes from love, how do you get more of the substance? How do you get more faith? You need more relationship. You need more communication. You need more time with the Lord. You need scripture. You need prayer, meditation. And all of that leads to receiving His power versus trying to do the action in my power. Okay? You think, I mean, do you think pray without ceasing is metaphorical? I used to think that. Not anymore. No. I think we're supposed to constantly be in a, an attitude of prayer. Uh, I, I like to say like Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof. During that whole movie, he just talked out loud like God was actually there. Well, guess what? He is. He's everywhere. David said, I go to heaven and you're there. I go to hell and you're there. Everywhere I go, you're there. Where can I go that you're not there? There is no place. You're everywhere. And Scripture says that too. The glory of the Lord fills the entire earth. Okay? Um, so if you need more faith, what is faith? It's belief. What belief? So does that mean I need more faith that, that a rock is a rock? Do I need more faith? that this is a Gatorade water bottle? No, I don't need more faith in that. What do I need more faith in? I need more faith in my Father. I need more faith in Jesus. I need more faith in the Holy Spirit who's inside of me. Okay? That's what the faith is. I, that's what I need to believe. And, and, and that is part of that unseen thing. Faith is the 
substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can you see God? Can you see Jesus? Can you see the Holy Spirit with your, with your physical eyes? No, you have to see him with your spiritual eyes. Focus on what is unseen, not on what is seen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Okay? Um, okay, so if you need more substance for to power the appropriate action that's the one that you really want most, you need more faith. Faith comes by belief, and that comes from spending time with the Father and scripture. Okay? Um, how do you come to love someone in the first place on earth? Spending time with them. Spending time with them. Okay? And if they're an authentic person, if they're a kind person, if they're honest, if they care about you, the more time you spend with them, the more you will love them. Okay? Now, if they're unkind and stuff like that, that's not true. Okay? But that's not what we're talking about. God is always loving. He is love. We do love sometimes. He is love. The love I have for my wife comes from God. He's the source. All right? So, if I need more substance for my actions, it means I need more faith. Faith comes from spending time with God and the truth of Scripture, not just glossing over it, but every day, okay? Uh, if if uh, Hope and I have been married 36 years, if I'm going to be gone somewhere overnight, I would, I would never think of doing that without letting her know and making sure it's okay with her. When I travel to Europe or Asia to lecture or do a workshop or something, first thing I do when I hit the ground is call Hope. All right? I love her. I miss her. Every day I talk to her several times, no matter where I am. Okay? Well, we need to be that way with the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but even way more than any person here on earth because the, the closer I am to the Father... The more faith I have in Him, the more love in my heart, the better I can love hope. And, and, and that relationship be better and better and better and better over time, which is what we all want. Okay? Well, that doesn't happen unless we spend time. Unless I write her letters and talk to her and go to movies and uh, go look at, uh, go travel and look at new things and discuss how we feel about stuff and share problems, share victories, all of that, okay? That's where the love comes from, all right? And that's what God says. Pray without ceasing. Uh, David said, I meditate on your words day and night. I meditate on scripture day and night, all right? Scripture tells us to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not, an act. it's not an accident it says that. It says that because it's the only way you're going to get both. It's the only way you're going to get a love-based heart intention and the appropriate love-based action. The only way is if you are close to the Father, close to Jesus, close to the Holy Spirit, through prayer, through scripture, through uh, singing, through um, having that as your goal, long-term, short-term, in the middle, everything in between, okay? 
That's where that comes from, okay? And the closer you get to him, the more of his power you have access to. So what does that mean? His power easily can override the flesh and, uh, and enable you to have the appropriate love, faith-based action rather than sinful action. So the, the one missing here, one, be saved, two, love-based heart intention, three is the problem, flesh, five is what you want, appropriate love-based action, the solution, number four, is you need more faith. And that comes from understanding the word and intimacy, communication, time spent, honor, submission, respect for the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit every day. That's my north. When my, hit, when my feet hit the floor in the morning and my head hits the pillow at night and everything in between, that's my intention. Closer to the Father. More pleasing to the Father. Etc. By spending time with Him, Scripture, etc. Okay? Alright. Let me see. And that is what will get you over the top as far as being able to have the actions where you're not just saved and have a screwed up life, you're saved and have a really wonderful life and getting better and better all the time. Okay? The difference in those is not enough faith versus enough faith because I'm spending time with Him. And the power comes from Him for these actions that I do not have enough power to do without his power. One thing that might make this concept a little bit easier to understand is that faith is in the belief, is under the belief umbrella. There's faith, which is a belief in what has already happened in the past. There's trust about what is happening right now in the present. And there's hope about, based on the past and the present, what we hope will happen in the future. But all of those are under the umbrella of belief. Well, what does that bring up? What does belief bring up scripturally? <laughs> believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Uh, if you believe, nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move and it will move. Belief is what turns intent into action. And so, in this case, the faith is in what God has already done in the past. He's already bought our grace. He's already paid for our sin. He's already set all these things up. He's already got a mansion waiting for you in heaven. You're already a citizen of the kingdom. Not then, now. Okay? So, if I really believe that, if I really believe what God has done in the past, then my present will be in line with that. 
And I'll believe I'm saved and I'm right with God even when I sin because of His grace and mercy and, and spending time with Him. And that will give me more faith, which is more substance for my flesh so that I can overcome it, His power. But you, you just need to understand that faith, man, that, that, is, that is right there, hand in glove with belief. And in Scripture, what you believe is critical. You will do what you believe. You will not do what you don't believe. Okay? It's just that simple. You, you don't ever do anything that you don't believe. Now, you may have conflicting beliefs. I believe I should lust because I want the pleasure right now versus I shouldn't lust because it's a sin. Okay? You can have both. But belief is, the, is what creates faith. It's belief in what God has already done, and that's faith, all right? And that creates the substance to overcome the flesh, receive His power, and have the action, and maybe even consistently, that you can't do now in your own power. So belief is critical to understanding faith and, and how it becomes the substance that can take us from the intention to the action. A couple other thoughts I had. Um, Jesus is walking on the water in the storm, right? You remember that story? Peter wants to come out. Jesus says, come on out. Peter takes one step, then looks at the storm rather than Jesus and starts to fall. And Jesus immediately reaches down, pulls him out. What does he say? Oh, ye of little faith. Does he say, all right, that's it, Peter. You're damned now. You, you couldn't do the walking on the water thing. That's it. You're, that's a sin. You're damned. You are no longer saved. No, he doesn't say that. He says, he says, oh, ye of little faith. And then welcomes him right back into the group. And all right, let's go on from here. So Peter's sin, lack of faith, did not take him from saved to lost. Okay? And, and, and Jesus hadn't even died yet. That was under the old law. All right? Judas. Oh, oh, another one with Peter. After he denied Jesus three times, then later they're out fishing. Jesus says from the shore... Hey, you caught anything? And Peter immediately recognizes his voice and jumps in the water. He won't even wait for the boat to get back. Swims back and is all over Jesus. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so... Because he had just denied him three times. All right? I am so sorry. Well, Jesus, what does he do? He says, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter. So three times... He denied Jesus three times. And three times, Jesus asked Peter a question that requires a yes answer. Are you going to help me now? Are you going to feed my sheep? Are you going to be obedient and lead this church group, the kingdom? And to which everyone, Peter says, yes, yes, yes. And evidently, that was the antidote <clears throat> to Peter's guilt. Because the next thing we see, he is preaching and leading the entire movement <clears throat> Excuse me, at Pentecost. Let me get a drink. 
<clears throat> Judas, on the other hand, was the prodigal son who never came back. I think he may very well have committed the unpardonable sin. All right? He had known Jesus, walked with him, loved him. Jesus loved him. But because of his flesh, he, did not, he uh, sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. But then he was so overcome with guilt and shame, he went and hung himself. Well, what's the difference in Judas and Peter? Well, I believe, number one, it's probably the intention of their heart is different. But as far as their actions, Peter came back and Judas didn't. Jesus would have forgiven Judas too, but he didn't come back. Peter came back. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please for Okay. Well, I want to be Peter, not Judas. How about you? I sin every day, but I'm going to keep going back. All right? And I hope you will too. Okay. Uh, Jesus, not before his death. Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. He, he did not want to go through what he knew he was about to go through. The scourging, the crucifixion, the mocking, the spitting, the thorns, the... I mean, all of that. None of us would want to go through that, all right? But the intention of Jesus' heart was love-based to the Father, and so he submitted that decision to the Father, and the Father made it. And it must have been something like, Son, I'm sorry, but there's no other way. So did Jesus whine and complain and, Oh, I can't believe this. This is so unfair. No. He got up and walked willingly to his death in love and truth. Okay? The power of the Father enabled him to do that. Jesus said, I entrusted my soul to the one I knew could raise me from the dead. The power of the Father. Okay. As we've been talking, one thing you've got to consider in all this is that based on the latest research, about 50% of what we believe about our life is simply not true because of a devolution in our memories over thousands of years. And also the latest research says that the average person in their heart leans 80% to the negative on average, 80%. So that means we've got to overcome this stuff in order to have a love-based intention of our heart. And then even when we have that, we've got to get by the flesh in order to have the love-based action in harmony with our heart's intention. Okay? Well, you know what? You can't do that. You're not strong enough to do it. I'm not either. Okay? You need more substance, more faith, which requires intimacy, communication, prayer, understanding with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It comes from relationship. Okay? So the gap between intention and action is faith. Faith is born of love, and love comes only from relationship. There is no love outside the context of relationship. Okay? So you need more faith. You need more love. Need more love? You spend more time. Okay? Most of the believers I know who come to me for help are struggling big time with this stuff and with all that sin stuff on the other side of the board. 
When I ask them, okay, well, well, how much time are you spending in the Word? How much time are you spending in honest, sincere prayer? Not some cookie-cutter prayer. God, guard, and direct us. Bless the hands that have prepared it. I shouldn't have said that one because hope loves that one. Bless the hands who have prepared the meal. But not a cliche prayer. A brutally raw, honest prayer. In sincerity, in humility, in integrity, okay? I bow before you. I'm, I'm laying this stuff down at your feet. I can't handle it. Will you please help? And his answer is scripture is absolutely. The battle is mine, not yours. It is God's power that is the power for your actions that are consistent with a love-based heart intention. But without spending much time with the Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit of the Word, you're not you're likely not going to have enough faith, which means you don't have enough substance. You don't have enough substance for your for the flesh to to get you over the top to overcome it. You get the love of the Father, which creates massive faith, his power and that, that gets me over the top. And not, not 100%. I'll always sin. I'll always mess up. But it will get me to the place where by and large, my actions are in harmony with a love-based heart intention. And now my life is not messed up. My life is getting better and better and better. There'll always be pain. There's pain either way. Okay? It's the difference in meaningless pain and meaningful pain. And actually pain that actually takes you to the next level of your life. So you should welcome it. And everyone I know does not welcome pain. It's, ah, no, get pain away as fast as possible. Well, that's not what God says. He says, count it as joy when that pain comes. Because that's what I'm going to use to make you perfect. All right? But again, that is time with him and in scripture and that being your number one priority, okay? How many of us say that our number one priority is God, but in practicality, our number one priority is the house and money and job and mowing the grass and clothes and cars and the next vacation? And let me tell you, that's not going to get you over the top. You're, if you live that way, you're likely going to have a love-based heart intention, but the flesh is going to keep you from being able to carry it out. And you're going to have more and more sin, maybe not practicing sin, but just messing up your life sin, all right? And that was Satan's intention the whole time. He knows he can't keep you from being saved, but he can mess up your experience here. He does that through the flesh. Don't let him do it. When the flesh hits, run to the Father, Scripture, the Holy Spirit, and every single day, live there. Pray without ceasing. Let that be your number one goal in reality, not just in what you would say, in practicality, all right? So, good intention is often not enough to carry out the choice because you don't have enough power 
The power you need is faith, which creates literal physical substance in your flesh and body and enacts the power of God, not my power, for the love-based action that will keep my life in harmony and going up and up and up and up and up. All right? So, that is how it fits together. God judges the intention of your heart. He wants the heart. All of that. But, it, what if I've got that, but I can't carry it out? I, I keep doing the sinful action. All right? You need to be closer to Him. Understand Scripture better. Let that be your number one priority. Pray without ceasing. Time, etc. And I believe you will be pricked in your heart, which is the birth of love from truth in your heart and conscience, and receive the power of God to do the action that you were not able to do before because you, you didn't have enough power because you were doing it in your power. And that's never enough. All right? So swap your power for God's, that's the Isaiah passage, wait on the Lord and you'll exchange your strength for His. Most translations say, uh, wait on the Lord and um, you'll renew your strength. That's a mistranslation, it's not what it says. It says you will exchange your strength for His. Totally different meaning. And that's what we're talking about. When you spend that time with Him and have the love-based intention you exchange and receive his strength, which makes the action easy. Again, these things are these are deep waters. These are not easy things to understand. And I've come to these things over decades of prayer and, and searching, reading scripture, talking to scholars, etc. So it's more important to me that this be accurate than quick. So, sorry about the length, but in another way, I'm not sorry. So, number one, save. Number two, love-based heart intention. Number three, problem, I got to get by the flesh. Number four, faith is what gets me by the flesh to the appropriate love-based action that will make my life and everyone around me's lives better and better and better. Don't live another day without enough substance for the actions that you and the people in your life need from you. Get more substance from the source and start living in a way you've never been able to before. Okay, so just like on the other side of the board, um, we, I, I left the scriptures and went over them briefly at the start of this uh, teaching about who you are in Christ. But here's some more, okay? You, you need to get these, you, you need to understand these and get them ingrained. This needs to be your new programming. A lot of us were programmed that other way growing up. This needs to be our new program. Uh, Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not conformed to this world. There's no city here that you should be dedicated and committed to. The city is there. Your citizenship is there. The kingdom is not here. The kingdom is everywhere, not just here. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy with God. Uh, the, if if uh, 
If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. You're not of this world. Uh, what if you profit the whole world but lose your own soul? Is that a good deal? Of course not. Uh, be transformed and eternally there will be no pain, no tears, no death, no crying. We'll have a body like Jesus' body, no night. I mean, incredible. It's from Revelation. Uh, John 5. Uh, you believe with your heart you have eternal life versus judgment. Okay? Um, memories, this was, this, was, this was unbelievable to me. It appears that memories are either going to be wiped or edited our memories from this earth when we get to heaven. Why? Because it said, Isaiah 65 says, the new heaven and earth, we will not remember past troubles. Past troubles will not be remembered in heaven. So all the junk here, we're not even going to remember it. All the stuff you're worried about every day, you're not even going to remember it in heaven. And even if you did remember it, you think that'd still be a big deal after a million years in heaven? How about a billion years in heaven? You, you still think you're going to be obsessing? No, you're not, because there's no pain, no tears, no death, no crying, and the former troubles will not even be remembered, and you will never perish. Okay? So, that, along with... All of these about who you are, you know, um, new heart, new creation, you're saved by grace. Uh, the mystery of the ages is you and Jesus are one, you're a saint, you were formerly evil, but now holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Okay? So, what you need is to get your actual condition, which is that, who you are in Christ, and the love-based heart intention, you need to get that to manifest in your everyday actions and behaviors. And the only way to overcome the flesh is faith. You need more substance. You need more brain chemistry. You need more hormones. You need more uh, brain positive brain states. You, uh, all kinds of stuff in your mind too. All right? And only then with enough substance, enough faith, by spending time with the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Word, that will give you the power of God for your appropriate actions that are in harmony with the love-based intention of your heart. So intention is not enough, but this is how you get your intentions into action. All right? Use it. It's changed my life more than I could ever tell you. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day.